turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The United Nations is working overtime, the globalists, to do even more to censor what you can say and what you can read or what you can hear online than even the American tyrannical authoritarian administration. Because the administration has been using uh, federal agencies to collaborate and coordinate and collude, they love that word, with big tech in Silicon Valley, the folks at Google, the folks at YouTube, the folks at Facebook, and so forth, to censor what you can see or what you can say online. Now the globalists are ready to take that to a new level. According to an article in the Epic Times, the specific uh, mission here is to create what they're calling an Internet of Trust, one that would call out misinformation or disinformation or hate speech or conspiracy theories as they see them, as the globalists see them. In other words, it's beyond Orwellian. Peter called it Soviet, which I don't know which is worse. I suppose both and maybe a combination thereof. I think this is worse than Big Brother. I think this is worse than the Ministry of Truth. I think it's worse than Newspeak. I think it's worse than all of it uh, that Orwell wrote. And I think it's worse than what the Soviets did as well. So this article is uh, very in-depth and very well-researched by Alex Newman. He is, uh, of course, an award-winning international journalist, an educator, an author, a speaker, an investor, a radio host, and also the president and CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media. He hosts a national, nationally syndicated program, as I mentioned, and he writes for a wide array of publications, including the Epic Times. Let's welcome Alex Newman back to our program here on AM 1420, The Answer. Alex, thank you for the time this morning. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for having me, Bob. All right. Well, you sound chipper considering how horrible and awful everything that I just laid out was. So um, I appreciate your your time here. And I do want to really convey the seriousness of this to to the listeners. Uh, I'm going to ask you just to first kind of build on what I just said as a means of introduction here. Alex, the United Nations is, is essentially trying to create almost, I don't know, a parallel Internet. Is that what this looks like? Yeah, well, they're, they're trying to, and they've been working on this for many years. This is simply the latest step forward in the agenda. But they're trying to completely regulate and take over the Internet. And this has been a long-term game that they've been playing. Uh, unfortunately, they've had a lot of cooperation from the highest levels of our government. Uh, Barack Obama, in fact, was uh, instrumental in making a lot of this even possible to begin with. He handed over ICANN to uh, an international coalition of stakeholders, uh, even though the American people really finance much of this through their taxes. So this has been going on for a long time, but this new UNESCO plan is one of the boldest that I have seen yet in terms of just openly saying we're going to silence you if you're saying things that we don't think you ought to be saying. Now, they, they do frame it in terms of protecting human rights on the Internet, but I think that's uh, it's a really nefarious trick that they're using here. What people need to understand is that when the U.N. talks about human rights, they don't mean the same thing that, say, Americans mean when we talk about, say, our rights protected in the Constitution, which, of course, our founding fathers declared uh, that our rights come from God. 
So a very, very dangerous proposal. They're demanding that all social media companies, all Internet providers, all governments, uh, all civil society be involved in imposing these regulations. And um, as a brief summary, they say that, uh, you know, free speech is fine, but it can't be hate speech, which is, of course, a Soviet concept, literally straight out of Moscow during the Cold War. Anything that the communists hated was hate speech. Uh, no misinformation or disinformation, which is code word for true information that makes the UN look bad or threatens their agenda in any way. Uh, no conspiracy theories, and they, they've provided a number of interesting examples on this front. Uh, they've, they've mentioned things that are simply ludicrous, like uh, you know that people believe Michelle Obama is a lizard. And frankly, I've never heard anybody say they thought Michelle Obama was a lizard. I've heard uh, plenty of people say they thought she was a man, but uh, never a lizard. So I don't know where they got that from. And then, um, and then they have other things like people who believe in voter fraud, people who believe that there was uh, fraud in the election, people who believe that public health measures were unwarranted, people who don't believe that human activities are causing climate change. And they say these, these conspiracy theories are very dangerous because they might cause people to not want to reduce their carbon footprint as much. So we're talking about a global regulatory regime that would silence basically any speech that threatened this global totalitarian agenda that they're pushing. So, Alex, the question becomes, why would the, the, the world leader in liberty, the world, you know, the, the leading force and cause for good in the history of human civilization, the United States, that has achieved that status by capitalism, freedom, freedom of speech and so forth. Why would it sign on and surrender our liberties and surrender uh, all of these things to globalists to determine what we can say? What, and of course, you know, I, this should go without saying, but the, the danger here is if they limit our speech and they limit what we are able to see, they limit what, how we're able to respond to those things. They limit, limit how we are able to push back against these things that may threaten our freedoms. So why would why would an American uh, uh, administration, you know, the Biden administration here and, and others that may follow, why would they be so willing to surrender that which we have built, which gives us independence from globalists? Well, I think the Biden administration, uh, first of all, we know that the president himself has been on the payroll of enemies of the United States for quite some time. I mean, Congress has released the documents proving that the big guy, in other words, Joe Biden, has been getting a huge cut from Hunter Biden's so-called business deals going back many, many, many years. So on the one hand, we have the obvious corruption, right? We're just being sold out by treasonous leaders who would prefer money to upholding their oath of office to the Constitution. Uh, that's one big problem. But this battle over UNESCO and this broader battle over free speech has actually been going on for many decades. Um, UNESCO had previously proposed, back during the Reagan administration, a scheme to license journalists at the international level, where if you wanted to be a journalist, you'd have to have permission from the authorities. And that was one of many things that caused the Reagan administration to say, yeah, we're, we're not going to be participating in this anymore. And so we withdrew from UNESCO. Uh, unfortunately, George W. Bush brought us back into UNESCO, and uh, thankfully, Donald Trump took us out of UNESCO, again, for, for anti-American extremism, among other things. That UNESCO was run by an actual communist, uh, Irina Bokova. Uh, it's got members of the CCP in its leadership, including the deputy director general of UNESCO. So there's been this back and forth. And when it came to this new proposal, uh, or I, I, it's not even really a proposal, they're calling it guidelines that must be implemented, um, I reached out to the Biden administration through the State Department that handles our relations with UNESCO, and uh, they declared that, well, this proposal, this uh, document that to regulate speech was developed before we rejoined UNESCO, which just happened uh, earlier this year. 
And so uh, we're going to study it carefully before giving any opinion on it. So basically, we wash our hands of this thing. We're not going to tell you what's going on. I also reached out to Congressman Mike McCall, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, which, of course, is um, the congressional committee that really oversees our relations with these international organizations. And he expressed serious concern. Uh, he actually blasted UNESCO as a very troubled and problematic entity and uh, lambasted the Biden administration for rejoining. But, uh, you know, my question to Congress is, why do you keep funding this stuff if you don't approve? So um, we'll see. But, yeah, this, this is obviously very troubling from a constitutional perspective. None of this stuff is constitutionally permissible, but they're doing it anyway. We are talking with Alex Newman, who is a journalist, among other things, and he is uh, sounding the alarm on this United Nations uh, Internet of Trust. Um, you mentioned UNESCO, and you mentioned what you just said, or McFall said. You're, you're asking McFall, you know, why are we funding these things if, if, you're, if you're opposed to it? According to what you wrote here, the EU has already provided funding for implementation of this, uh, of this thing worldwide. Are they going to start picking up the tab um, if we, if we uh, decide to start withholding funds? Absolutely. There's no question about it. And one of the really troubling things about this, Bob, is that a lot of these mechanisms and enforcement schemes and ideas that are outlined in this UNESCO document have already been implemented by the social media companies and by the government. So the EU has, of course, been instrumental in this. And, and this lines up very well with their what, what they like to call their domestic legislation, European laws. Uh, they have been forcing big tech companies to participate in this Orwellian censorship regime for many years. And because the EU is such a massive block with so many people in it, you know, when, when these platforms do something for Europe, they typically do it on a global level. Now, we also, very unfortunately, have had over the last few years open collusion between the U.S. government and the big tech companies. A lot of things that are called for in this UNESCO document have already been implemented by California-based big tech companies, very often at the behest of the Biden administration. We know a lot of this because uh, information has come out in lawsuits against the administration because uh, Congress has released documents about it, including the uh, Committee on Weaponization and the, and the Judiciary Committee. They both released documents showing that the Biden administration was pressuring these companies. So this is a, a big problem. The EU and the UN are leading the way, both with the funding and with the implementation. And American companies, this kind of gives them an excuse. They say, oh, we're just complying with EU law. Oh, we're just complying with international law with these things, when uh, really that's uh, outrageous. It should not be happening. Um, and, you know, there's an added layer here that really should insulate us. Many of these big tech companies, while people don't realize, were stood up with the money of American taxpayers. You look at Google, for example, they got incredible assistance early on from DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. That's our money. That's our government, right? Then respect the First Amendment. Same thing with Facebook. Got its start with lots of help from key people at InQtel, which is the investment arm of the U.S. intelligence community. So these companies have a special obligation to protect the First Amendment, but pretending like they're responding to the EU and the UN, they're going full speed ahead on breaking their algorithms, shadow banning, and actually censoring us when we say things they don't want said. Alex, when you say things like, you know, they're going to say, oh, you know, it's a violation of international law. We're just following international law. Is there such a thing as international law in the United States? If international law does not respect our First Amendment, which is American law, are we even beholden to any international law? It's a very good question. And this has been a subject of debate by legal scholars for a very long time. 
Now, my reading of the U.S. Constitution says that the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And it does say uh, in Article 6 that uh, treaties and federal statutes are also supreme, but, and there's a big but here, (laughs) that has a qualification to it. It says treaties and statutes that are made in pursuance thereof. In other words, treaties and statutes that are constitutional, that are made in accordance with the powers delegated to the federal government by the U.S. Constitution. And so for me, it's self-evident that if a treaty or a statute uh, violates the Constitution that authorized the federal government to exist in the first place, then it is null and void on its face. It is illegitimate. And this has been a a topic of discussion going all the way back to our founding fathers. Can the federal government grant itself new powers by signing up to treaties or, quote-unquote, international law? And the answer has always been a resounding no. Uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote extensively on this. The Supreme Court ruled on this issue as recently as 1957 in a case called Reed versus Covert. They said very clearly the federal government cannot grant itself new powers by signing on to a treaty, even if it's properly ratified by the Senate and all the rest of it. Right? If they're not allowed to censor us under the U.S. Constitution, they can't sign a treaty and then uh, absorb for themselves or really usurp for themselves the authority to censor us. If they want to censor us, they must, they absolutely must uh, do what the Constitution calls for in Article 5, and that is pursue an amendment. We have two different ways to pursue an amendment. If they want to censor us using the federal government, we have a process for that. Never going to happen. And so all this stuff is illegitimate on its face, Bob. Alex, um, I want to ask you about what I'll just simply call the Musk factor. Um, Elon Musk bought Twitter at 44, I think, $44 billion of personal expense to restore at least some semblance of free speech to the uh, uh, Silicon Valley run online you know, platforms. And um, he is bucking the trend of all of it. Um, is there a chance that there are more Elon Musks out there? Somebody who would say, you know what? We don't abide by the international globalists who want to create the Internet of Trust because we do believe in free speech, real free speech here. Uh, does Twitter get swept up in this uh, or X get swept up in this? Or does he stand tall and maybe others say us too? We're going to, you know, other billionaires who are not beholden to, you know, these special interests and these globalists. You know, can we create an Internet that really is free speech independent of what the globalists and what the American regime are trying to put, put forth? Yeah, it's a very good question, and uh, I, I think it still remains to be seen whether Elon Musk is going to be able to withstand this pressure. So it is coming from all angles. Uh, the EU keeps passing these new laws and regulations and basically ordering Elon Musk to bow down and kiss their feet. And uh, so far— You heard his response, his, his three-word response, go blank yourself. That, that was his <laughs> response to those pressures. Yeah, and he's been very, very adamant about the fact that X is going to remain a free speech platform. Uh, However, there seem to be some big caveats to that, right? On on the one hand, it's a business. Musk is a businessman, and he needs to earn money. He can't just, you know, burn $45 billion. That's, That's a very dumb business decision. And so I think he's got some ulterior motives with this, right? I think part of, um, the reason he really likes the idea of X is so that he can get some of the data, right? Data is one of the most valuable commodities on the planet right now, and especially when you're trying to develop something like Neuralink. You've got another company to link the human brain with machines, and the insight that this is giving him 
into the human thought process and communication is, is simply unrivaled. But uh, we see right now, and, and you've seen it as well, Bob, the, the big companies are buckling to the pressure. You've got places like the hate group called the Soviet Poverty Law Center. They like to call themselves the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's, it's a vile, vile hate group. Yes, You've got the, the Defamation League, another hate group. Um, they're, they're basically telling advertisers, if you advertise on X, then you're supporting Nazism, you're supporting white supremacy, all these kinds of things. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how much longer Elon Musk is going to be able to hold out. So um, I, I like what I've seen so far, and he definitely has been a positive force. In fact, I think some of his actions have helped restrain the censors over at Facebook and YouTube and other places a little bit. But uh, whether he'll be able to hold out indefinitely remains to be seen. I, I want to think, and maybe this is wishful thinking, Alex. We'll wrap it up with this because we're out of time here. But I, but, I, but I want to think that there are enough, you know, corporate millionaires and billionaires who aren't going to buy into this, who aren't going to say no, or aren't going to say that, yes, you can control speech and so on and so forth, and we'll abandon. I feel like some people are going to come to Musk's rescue or at least join him and stand by his side. There have got to be you know, companies that are saying, we'll advertise on X, we'll put our money there because we believe in freedom and we're not going to, send, uh, uh, we're not going to um, uh, suspend our, our rights and the rights of the people uh, to, you know, to these globalists. Um, aren't there enough? And they don't have to be called conservatives either, just, you know, conservative, libertarian or whatever, independent thinkers who are not going to be slave to, you know, global groupthink. Yeah, I, I hope so. And you now try to branch out in terms of revenue. You know, now he's got this blue check program where you can pay $8. I do that, right? I'm using a service. I appreciate what he's doing. So I'm happy to throw in eight bucks a month. So uh, Musk is a very intelligent businessman. Obviously, he didn't get to be the wealth, wealthiest man, at least publicly in the world, uh, by being stupid. So um, let's, uh, you know, let's keep rooting him on and keep supporting free speech. And Hopefully we can preserve free speech for the next generation. Yeah, we need somebody to push back. And if our and if our, our actual governmental political leaders won't do it, it's going to have to be people like him in the private sector. And it's going to take all of us getting behind them unless we really, truly do want to have our thoughts and our information and data controlled and decided by, by uh, globalists who do not have our best interests in mind or at heart. Alex Newman, Epic Times, a tremendous article. We're going to continue to push it, promote it, tweet it, share it everywhere we can, and, uh, and hopefully get... Uh, uh, some uh, more people uh, on the train here as far as pushing back against this very, very dangerous uh, development. Alex, thanks for the great work you do. I appreciate it. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Bob. God bless. Thank you.